With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lock <laughs> Talk Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Mic check. Mic check. One, two. One, two. One, two. For you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm Biblical, biblical, theology, theology, study of the person of God, attributes. God's word is like a breeze in the tropics, and Jesus got the keys to the cockpit. He's the king, the priest, and the prophet, so please watch as we proceed with the topic. Uh, yeah. And that's biblical theology, that phrase alone that gives some people allergies. Uh, they say it's not practical enough, uh-huh. just give me Jesus, that will be enough. That seems plausible and logical. Nobody wants to be all cold and theological. But being a theologian is not optional. Because when you talk about Christ, you're saying something doctrinal. Either it accurately portrays his majesty, or it's a travesty, or worse, blasphemy. You can do a global search. This mark is crucial to the health of a local church. The Christian life is a difficult odyssey. The faithful are a statistical anomaly. The enemy wants to trick us hypnotically. That's why we need that biblical theology. Lord God, deliver us from apostasy. The human heart is given to idolatry. The situation is critical. We got to see the importance of biblical theology. What do I mean by biblical theology? The whole theme of the scripture and God's the key. It's following the Bible storyline and the ultimate goal is seeing God's glory shine. What he starts, he finishes with dedication. A work of art from Genesis to Revelation. From God's creation, creation to man's fall to redemption to consummation. Yeah. His designs and structure each time will fluster. What mind can instruct the divine conductor? His worthiness sits enthroned in the heavens, sturdy and fixed. Romans 11:36. Biblical theology encompasses who God is, what He promises and accomplishes. So clever we behold His endeavors unfold. The greatest, greatest story, story ever, ever told. told. The Christian life is a difficult odyssey. The faithful are a statistical anomaly. The enemy wants to trick us hypnotically. That's why we need that biblical theology. Lord God, deliver us from apostasy. The human heart is given to idolatry. The situation is critical. We gotta see the importance of biblical theology. The Lord has not decided to keep us guessing. He gave us the word providing us correction. In the spirit for guidance and direction. Biblical theology is like protection from ourselves and our improper reflections so we can follow the Bible, not just our affections. Otherwise, we will chop it into sections and not make the connections like the doctrine of election. And Satan is waiting to slice us in the mincemeat if our faith is a mile wide and an inch deep. Theology is like the root of a tree, which determines how rich the fruit's gonna be. And by God's grace, he'll breathe on us with his breath, lead us in his steps, show us his eagerness to bless. And we'll experience true peace within our death, because we'll know the meaning of Jesus and his death. The Christian life is a difficult odyssey. The faithful are a statistical 
physical anomaly. The enemy wants to trick us hypnotically. That's why we need that biblical theology. Lord God, deliver us from apostasy. The human heart is given to idolatry. The situation is critical. We got to see the importance of biblical theology. Biblical theology, folks, that is what we do here at Theology Matters. So good to be with you tonight. We have been excited to do this show for quite some time now. I've been in talks with my friend uh, Chris Allison, who I've just met actually uh, probably a few weeks ago, and uh, have been excited just to have this uh, discussion and interview him a little bit on his journey out of religion and uh, to embracing atheism. And so we're going to have a good discussion with that tonight. Uh, Before we get into that, I just wanted to get just a few things out of the way. Um, So we have been doing this show um, for right about seven years. And we've taken the last, uh, I don't know, six six to 10 months off. We haven't been doing as many shows regularly just because uh, you know, we've been very busy with uh, what we're doing with Winthrop University, as well as now starting, um, trying to start a chapter going at York Tech uh, College down here in Rock, Rock uh, Hill, South Carolina. And so uh, it's been it's been busy. But uh, all that to say, we plan on starting to do a lot more shows. Um, and so uh, right now, kind of tentatively, we're looking at Friday mornings at around 1130 Eastern Time. And of course, if you can't catch the live show, it'll be it'll be podcast uh, where either me and Melissa or me and another guest uh, will be, uh, you know, just talking about some of these uh, issues of theology, apologetics, worldview. Um, many people know that uh, we've been actually engaging with some Jehovah's Witnesses for the past uh, couple of years. Uh, these these two showed up at our house uh, a couple of years ago, and we've been able to keep the conversation. You know, a lot of people have been really kind of amazed by that. Uh, normally, it's, uh, it ends pretty quickly after our first few visits, and so we've had some people um, really get a hold of us and ask us, you know, maybe for some, some ideas or tips. And so it's coming Friday at 11.30, Blog Talk Radio, Theology Matters with Clues. We're going to be looking at how do you engage Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll look at some of the, some of the practical um, some of the practical points as far as, you know, how do you not run them off? How do you not blow them out of the water? How do you not scare them to where they don't come back and blacklist you? Uh, but also we'll be looking at some of the theological questions that are often put forward and asked and uh, look at maybe some responses to that. So I'm really looking forward to doing that show. Uh, I'll probably do a couple of those. Um, and again, I'll have Melissa with me trying to get her uh, freed up so she can do a little more of these shows with us. So that'll be good. Tomorrow at Southern Evangelical Seminary, the greatest apologetic seminary on the planet, in my mind. Might be a little <laughs> biased, you know, because I, I live there and, uh, or, or, you know, live by there and have uh, have uh, done several uh, classes there. But they are doing a full conference, a full day on the problem of evil. And that starts tomorrow around 1230, and there's going to be a debate as well. Dr. Brian Huffling, who is one of my philosophy professors, is going to be engaging uh, the atheist and skeptic 
uh, Michael and I'm not sure Michael Sherman's a doctor. And, uh, he may be, so I don't mean to disrespect if he's not. Uh, but I've actually had to hear him do a few de- uh, debates before, and uh, he's he's a really really sharp guy. So really look forward to that uh, discussion. So if you go to you can go on the website and you have tickets. I think the tickets are uh, it was very limited seating left. Well, as last night, I think there was about 20 tickets left. So uh, you may want to go and check that out if you're interested in coming. Again, that starts around 1230. Uh, lastly, we, um, as you guys know, do Ratio Christie, and uh, we do our weekly meetings at Winthrop. And for those who are not familiar with Ratio Christie, uh, that is a missionary organization, and this is Latin for the reason for Christ. And so you know, on the college campus, you have a lot of people that, a lot of Christians uh, lose lose their faith. Uh, real quick, let me ask you, Chris, can you hear me okay? Uh, you were breaking up a little bit there, but I can hear you now. It's coming through. Okay, I'm not sure why. Let me, there we go. Try that. Uh, can you hear me okay now? Is that better? Yeah, I hear fine. Okay, all right. My wife was letting me know that uh, I was kind of breaking up as well, so I just wanted to try and get that taken care of, so I don't want to be breaking up. Um, But, yeah, Ratio Christi, it's uh, Latin for the Reason for Christ, and it is an apologetics ministry on the college campus. Of course, apologetics is defending the Christian faith. Uh, you know, a lot of students, they, they will grow up in a Christian church and many times, um, you know, have not really been challenged with some of those deeper questions. Like, how do you know God exists? How do you know that the Bible's true? You know, what about all these other religions that also make these truth claims? And, um, you know, for a lot of them, they don't know how to respond. They don't know how to give answers to that. And so we do weekly meetings, and uh, this particular semester, uh, we're doing a series called uh, The Faith Next Door, or Our Neighbor's Faith, something to that effect. My wife uh, gave it a brilliant name. <laughs> I'm not, not that clever to come up with something like that. But the gist of it is we are looking at other world religions. And so uh, last week we covered Baha'i. Uh, we have covered Hinduism. We have covered Buddhism. Uh, this coming Tuesday, I will be doing a session on Scientology and what exactly that is and how, how, to, uh, how to share the gospel with our friends uh, who are in other religions and have other views. And so if you're a college student or maybe you're just into apologetics and you'd like to attend our meetings, uh, they're open to the public. Uh, room 221 in the DeGiorio Center, 8 o'clock Tuesday nights. Uh, and then also at York Technical College, uh, we're meeting Wednesdays at 11 and just kind of going through some of the same material. Um, the good thing about our group is, you know, we have a lot of different views. A lot of different people come, and they're certainly not all Christians. We have Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, uh, of course, Christians. Uh, but it's a place where people can come and we can we can have questions and, and dialogue. It's a safe place, you know. Um, we're unapologetically Christian. I don't back down on that. I don't compromise on that. Uh, but uh, we want to have the dialogue. We want to have the discussion. And so uh, if you're in the area, come on out. We'd love to have you. So with that said, I think that's uh, that's all I have for the intro. And kind of jump into our, 
our discussion uh, now. So, Chris, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm still here. All right. Good, good, good. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of how you got interested in this topic um, I, for people listening. So I, I met, I think we met, what was it, about three or four weeks ago, Chris? Yeah, it's been like a month, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, we, right. we both have a, a mutual friend, um, Joey Deese, Pastor Joey Deese. Uh, I'm not sure if he's listening, mm-hmm. but uh, out there, Oakdale Baptist. And uh, Chris had interacted a few times on uh, on Joey's page, and then uh, we just had some good discussion. But I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there and tell the people. Well, thank you. Um, well, uh, let's see. I'm almost 50. So I've been around a little while, and uh, I don't have any kind of a religious background in my life. Um, my parents didn't attend any church. Uh, I don't recall even having a Bible in our home when I was growing up, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, all their their siblings were church-going people uh, on both sides, my family, and. Um, <clears throat> but I always thought it was kind of strange, though, that there were Presbyterians, there were Baptists, and there were Methodists. So, uh, you know, they they were, they were all Christians, but they weren't the same Christians, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I always thought that kind of odd when I was growing up. Um, and there were, there were a handful of times when I was a child that I remember attending, like, vacation Bible school for, like, a week – and I think there was there was a, a couple of Sundays I went to with one of my uh, uncles and his family uh, to church. And I, as a child, I, I remember not really liking it because um, the church they went to, it was a Baptist church, and it was sort of um, the fire and brimstone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, – they went to the, the the main service. That they didn't they didn't go to any Bible school or anything like that before, and you know that was a it was a lengthy sermon that you listened to. And I remember that preacher would multiple times he would he would come down into the audience there between the pews, and right. he was also also very loud. He screamed <laughs> a lot, and okay. you know. To, to a kid, that just turned me off. I, I didn't do any. That didn't interest me. And I was like, "What is his problem?" <laughs> I mean, right. I, don't know, I can remember thinking, you know, "What is his problem? What is he doing?" <laughs> and, <clears throat> anyway, um, as I grew up, I mean, um, I, I began to love history I, from, from really young age. I loved history, and if you if you really care for history and you study it very hard. Uh, there's just no way you can get around the subject of religion. It's going to come up in some way, some fashion, yeah, and you're going to become right. familiar with it. So I, I am very familiar with Christian history. I'm not as familiar with, say, the theology and its underpinnings, but I understand uh, where history comes from. I mean, the, the religion comes from, and not just this one in particular, Christianity. I've studied others as well as part of a larger studying of history and I have a BA in history as a matter of fact I had planned to teach but I'm not teaching I never went into teaching as a matter of fact in fact I I decided to get a job 
uh, in the laboratory. So I, I work in the laboratory now. Wow. What do you do there? Oh, in the lab? Uh, analyze samples, you know, blood samples, urine samples, that sort of thing. Very cool. Very good. Okay, so you kind of you, you studied history, got into that. I guess learned uh, probably took some some courses on you know what religion and stuff like that, and uh, so you've just kind of I guess have been somewhat interested in it, kind of a kind of a, I guess interested in maybe the uh, psychology of religion, would you say, or like have you? Are you interested in those type of questions, like where do we come from, why are we here, those kind of things, or is it more of just oh yeah, uh, sure. more of an interest? Okay. I mean, I, it, it was like probably around the year 2000 or so that I realized that um, I have not read the Bible, and I thought to myself, you know, I see it so often um, – mentioned in, in, you know, the things that I, I was reading or some of the things I was watching, again, from a, a historical point of view. And I thought, you know, I should probably sit down and read that book. And yeah. and I can tell you right now, I, it, 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 was not a, it was not a fun thing to do. I mean, uh, the, the Bible is a horribly written book, uh, and I started with the King James Version. I didn't know any better at the time. I just started with the King James and and I'm I've never been a big fan of that kind of um, way of speaking and writing. I, I've never been a big fan of Shakespeare, so that's the the way it's written, and that uh-huh. was, that was really a turn for me. And it, it was actually so much of a turnoff that I just you know I'm like I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get through this because I don't no one talks like this anymore, and it's right it's it's it was causing me problems as far as comprehending. So I ended up getting another Bible. And I would just go back and forth between the two and, and read it. Right, that's yeah. What I, that's what I thought. I was going to ask you is if you had went and yeah. maybe done a, a different uh, kind of a updated translation. Modern, modern English, the modern right. English translation. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what I yeah. was doing because, uh, I, I mean, like I said, I was getting frustrated with that part of it. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm probably going to miss something here as far as what the message is concerned. With this language, I've got to change. I've got to do something. So I was able to do that. Uh, but I mean, just going just from the very beginning, you know, I could tell that you know this is not you know n- n- this is not really. <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but I'm not. I can't believe this stuff. <laughs> I, what what I, was it about? I, what was it um, when you're saying you couldn't believe this stuff? What kind of maybe some examples that had turned you off or? Or made you think that it wasn't uh, true? Well, um, you know, I guess a lot of it just had to do with uh, why would anyone want to worship a god like this? This 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 particular god is just not a friendly, you know, personality. I mean, I just thought that was. I'd, no, I'm not going to do this. I mean, there was, there's, I forget which book it is. It's again toward the front. I don't think it's Genesis, but I mean, there's an example where one of the Israelites who had, had you know, been in the Exodus and had left Egypt, and I think they were still in the Sinai. Um, I again, I can't quote you chapter and verse, but uh, this person had to be stoned to death because it was discovered that he was gathering. 
sticks on mm-hmm. the Sabbath. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I remember reading that, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, he should have been, according to their thinking, I suppose, or someone else's thinking, he should have been, you know, uh, worshiping this God on the Sabbath, but instead he's picking up sticks. And I'm thinking to myself, well, he was probably doing that because he was probably cold maybe, and he wanted to start a fire, or maybe he wanted to cook a meal for his family. Why would he have to be stoned to death for gathering sticks? I mean, that's that just seems really cruel. Uh, okay, so, so yeah, so you're saying just some of the things that you've read in the Bible didn't seem to make sense, and maybe that the character uh, that you you know were understanding of that was coming across uh, didn't seem like it was a pleasant, pleasant God. Um, what's your what is your view of G, uh, Jesus of Nazareth and maybe the New Testament? Uh, well, I, I've, I've heard, and I'm not entirely convinced of it, but I've heard a lot of convincing arguments that he may never have existed at all. That wow. he's just a fictional character. But I'm not entirely convinced of that. I just feel like what we do know about Jesus is probably uh, very fictitious. I don't think I, – I do not accept his divinity. I can tell you that right now. I mean, I won't say w- whether he existed or not, but I'm, although I do lean toward – yeah, there probably was a real person named Jesus, and uh-huh. this book is is centered on him, but definitely I'm not accepting anything about him being divine. And – I do find it – one of the things I do find very curious and very interesting is how um, he is considered the Messiah by certain people who are Christians. But if you look at the Old Testament and you see what the Jews expected of a Messiah, and he doesn't sort of match. He doesn't fit the qualifications or what are they, they're expecting of a Messiah. And I'm, I think that it's very interesting how Christians will still go into the Old Testament and pick out something out of Isaiah or something and say, this is you know, the, the prophecy. This, this, this is pertaining exactly, specifically for, to Jesus. And then I, you know, I, I, I think about it, and I'm like, I don't think so because this is not what Jews are saying. This is not their interpretation. And well, what some Jews, me, what some Jews are saying, right? Because <laughs> there's other Jews that uh, that do that, that were convinced and that do believe. But yeah, I mean, there are yeah, there are there's some, there's some, certainly yeah. some that don't. So maybe before and I remember, oh, go ahead. But can, yeah, no, I remember there was an open house. Um, uh, I forget what when it, how long ago it was, but um, at one of the local synagogues here in Greenville. And I wanted to I wanted to go there and see you know because they are opening up their worship their home of their place of worship and you can see right. what they do and I just I'm just very curious and, and and other other places have done it as well I haven't been to all of them but I went to the um, the Jewish one and you know I had a, I asked a question about you know, this um this belief uh, I mean this uh, the way Christians use the New Old Testament. To use to prove that Jesus is the Messiah and that He's divine, He's the Son of God, and all this, right? And I, right. I wanted to get his 
the the rabbi's interpretation of that. And you know, the first the first thing he told me was um that came to his mind or what he said was, well, there is no doubt in our minds uh, that he was not born of a virgin. And you know, they bring up you know how that word would would have been translated so many in the languages. Yeah, you know how many languages the the Bible has been translated in since it was first written down in Hebrew, then Greek, whatever, Latin. They didn't get that right. So, you know, to us, it doesn't mean that his mother was a virgin. It means that she was just a young maiden or a young female. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've heard people say that before. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I was I was even thinking maybe uh, maybe either next week or the week after, um, maybe we could we could actually kind of dive a little deeper into kind of the the person of Jesus of Nazareth and maybe look at uh, some of the evidence for for the resurrection and that um, as well. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be a good topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, today I thought maybe before we just before we drill right into Christianity, just maybe first uh, look at um, you know is there evidence for the existence of God at all? You know, before we even get to what particular God, start first with um, you know does God exist and and you know some of those questions. So now, mm-hmm. what what is your what is your current belief system now? Are you from what I understood, I think, thought you had said you were an atheist. Is that right? Yes, I, I consider myself an atheist, and, and I think we should probably go ahead and define that term. I want to make sure, you know, yeah. anyone who may be listening understands exactly what I mean by that word. And I think you can just look it up in a, in a dictionary, and it's going to say something about, you know, you don't believe in God. Well, it's it's not it's a little bit more nuanced than that. It's I don't believe in God or gods at all because no one's ever shown me convincing proof that they exist that doesn't mean that there can't be a god or you know i don't know if you mean them if you're a hindu or something you know i just haven't been convinced by the arguments that i've seen i mean a lot of people just say in, in my lifetime you know you just need to read the bible just read the bible i'm like all i have you know what all I did was convince me that I, there is no such thing as a god, and, and I guess that means I'm an atheist. Therefore, I'm an atheist. So let me ask you with that. So you're just saying you're just saying you're an atheist as someone who does not believe that God exists. Is that what you're saying? I no one's shown me any proof. No one's shown me any proof. I, I've okay. always said that uh, to some people uh, that you know when they're trying to convince me that. You know, God's real, and that you know you need to take this seriously and do these things. And I'm like, I can't believe that because you, you, your evidence isn't isn't convincing. And oh, me well, also. Mm-hmm. Pardon. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say real quick before before we get into some of that, um, maybe just to kind of understand the terminology. Um, because if you're saying, well, an atheist is just a person who doesn't believe God exists or doesn't believe in the Christian God or whatever. Um, Give me that definition one more time. I was trying to write it down there. You said an atheist is... As far as I define it, it's simply I haven't been convinced by any current arguments that I've heard. 
That doesn't mean there's not okay. an argument out there that someone like you perhaps could convince me of, but I have yet to hear an argument that says – convinces me that there's a God or a or gods that exist. I'm not mm-hmm. denying that there can be one. There certainly right. can be because, I mean, I don't know everything about the universe or the multiverse. <laughs> right. You understand? You so know, it seems to I'm, me, I'm not – It seems – yeah, it seems to me, though, like if that's your definition, then you're not so much of an atheist as you are, just agnostic. Well, I wouldn't go that way out because I think um, – I mean I'm le- I, I want to say I am leaving my mind open to uh-huh. hear different arguments, and I don't even mind listening to the same argument over again because you know, someone else could do it differently, and it, it's possible to convince me. But, I mean, to to me, uh, agnostics, agnostics are just too – Fence centers, you know, they're just too much of a fence center, you know. They don't want to say one way or another. Yeah, how how would you define agnosticism? They're just they're not convinced either way. What's between an agnostic and an atheist, in other words? Well, I I mean, I don't even know if I've even met an agnostic. To be honest with you, I've had much dealings with them. It's just that they're like, you know, they're I don't know, maybe they're indifferent. They don't care one way or another whether our God exists or, or or not. But I'm like, uh, I've heard this argument from this fella, and well, it didn't convince me, so I guess that must make me an atheist because that argument did not convince me that there's a God. I see yeah, all I guess of the arguments. Right, yeah. I guess as I've looked at the, the terms, um, you have like a, a hard agnostic, for example. A hard agnostic is going to say, you know, I don't know if God exists. Nobody can know if God exists. Uh, a right. soft agnostic, which really sounds about like what you are, which is, well, maybe there's, you know, maybe God exists. Uh, I haven't seen evidence for it. Maybe someday somebody will convince me that, you know, he does and and I'll be convinced. Um, but then the I atheist. I just think it's important to keep your mind open. It's not yeah, like I can't no, change I my mind until I, yeah. I hear a point of view that's more convincing. Yeah, okay. So you're not saying God does not exist, then you're just saying that you're not convinced that God exists. Is that right? Pretty much. Okay. So that, yeah, that doesn't really sound like atheism, which was going to be my question was, you know, even if you say that, you know, you haven't been convinced or that you don't see evidence for the existence of God, how would that be a justification to conclude, therefore, there is no God? For example, I mean, yeah. you know, maybe we don't have, um, you know, we don't have evidence for aliens, you know, or UFOs or something like that. Uh, but just because right now we don't have evidence for aliens, it wouldn't follow to say, therefore, aliens don't exist, right? Right. So it kind but of just, just seems to be I'm similarly just... with, with the same thing with, um, with the existence of God. Go ahead. Well, I, I just leave my options open. I, I, again, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to be, have a close mind to things. I'm just okay. saying I've heard people speak, you know, personally to me. I've heard whatever on YouTube, and I'm like, I'm sorry, your evidence doesn't convince me. I mean, this this okay. is you know, some people make a very uh, an elaborate, lengthy, you know, argument that yes, mm-hmm. this God exists. You know, you should you should be worshiping it, and and I'm like, no, I that I have I have issues with that, and I'm. You haven't convinced me. And the biggest thing, I think, the biggest argument I can make, or rebuttal anyway, is that, you know, whether I'm talking to, uh, you know, uh, a figure like Billy Graham, or if I'm talking to, 
you know, a whole line of popes. I mean, I don't know how many popes there have been in the last 2,000 years, but it, or am I just talking just to some coworker or something who's a believer in, you know, in some religion? Well, you know, if your God needs you or these popes or Billy Graham to convince me that they exist, it sounds to me like your God is kind of weak and maybe not that powerful to begin with. If a God exists and it's concerned about whether or not I believe in it or not or whether I'm sort of on the fence, then why doesn't it just show up? Make hmm. itself aware to my senses and let me know, hey, I am a God. I exist. You're here because I put you here or whatever, and you know you owe me obedience or whatnot. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. I think that uh, a lot of Christians uh, would say that uh, it's not that the evidence is there; uh, it's just that you know the can't find a cop, and they're not exactly looking for him, right? Romans one, mm-hmm. the, the is evidence of the Creator, and that people know God exists, but that we suppress that truth uh, in unrighteousness. So it's not a fact that. The evidence isn't there. It's just the fact that uh, we don't, you know, we don't want that particular, you know, that, that particular God. So I don't think it's just, you know, perspective. It's not just that uh, the evidence isn't there. It is. Uh, it's just a question. God has created us, and uh, you know, different. Depending on your particular theology, you're going to get into the issue of free will. Uh, but you know, if God wants, you know, beings who are going to, you know. Uh, choose to believe in him, um, you know, maybe, you know, it's going to be the person has to, uh, you know, God's not going to necessarily force the person into heaven against their will, right? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, let's, let, let me ask you, so, you know, you're, you're saying that um, it's not enough evidence. You haven't seen the evidence. You haven't been convinced um, I'm curious what uh, what arguments uh, from because you talk you know about some popes and Billy Graham and stuff like this. Have you ever actually read uh, any Christian philosophers or uh, thinkers like that? I've read a few, uh, like like Craig, William Lane Craig, uh-huh. and I've seen some. Uh, I've seen a lot of these people. I'd like to watch a lot of these at lunchtime, to be honest with you, on YouTube. A lot of these people there you speak. Go. And yeah. um, the, you, usually they give um, uh, very good uh, presentations. But I, you know, my thing was uh, years ago. Like I said, about twenty years ago, I was like, you know, um, I sat down to read about the Bible because I thought that you know this is such a pivotal book in Western history for sure. And you know, I'm and I've only been familiar with little bits and pieces of it. I need to read this. So, I mean, I went to the – to me, I went to the source. I mean, if you're uh-huh. going to know anything about – if you're going to know anything about the Christian religion, you have to start there. And after that, what I did was I started reading about how the Bible became the Bible itself and how it was created. Because, you know, for so long, especially when I was younger and, you know, I, I, I wasn't uh, – I hadn't been to college or anything like that and haven't, uh, you know – a large education or anything like that. It was, I was just being told that, you know, this was the word of God. And, yeah. you know, I was, and whatever bit of influence I had as far as religion, you know, that book was, you know, held in 
you know, high authority by people in my family and friends. And, you know, here I am, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, what? Well, so, yeah, so, yeah, so that, I guess I'd bring up the kind of the, I guess the question, one of the questions I was going to ask, um, you know, you're, so you say, you know, you say you've listened to some William Lane Craig and that, um, and, and, you know, you've gone to the Bible, um, but, you know, just, just kind of before I, I ask the next question, I would just say with that, you know, the Bible is, you know, the Bible is not a science textbook or the Bible is not a philosophy textbook. And so the Bible hits on, you know, certain issues. And when it hits on those issues, I would say it's correct. But I mean, as far as like a rigorous defense for theism or something like that, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to need to, it's it's not a book on metaphysics, for example, right? So you're going to have to read, well, what do, what do, you know, Christian philosophers say, for example, when they're looking at arguments for the existence of God or, you know, even with the reliability mm-hmm. of the Bible, um, you know, um, that's going to get into textual criticism and some of those things to where you've got to, you know, you got to look at what the scholars outside of that are saying. Uh, and so, you yeah, know, just, you're right. Uh, that's a good about. point. Uh, that is a very good point. But and it, it just brings to mind the many times when, you know, I would question something about religion among a group of people who were religious. And, you know, they were like, well, you just need to read your Bible. And then I remember yeah. how, right. okay, I'd, I'd read it and I'm like, okay, that didn't help. I mean, I, you know, I read the whole thing and right. I, I'm not a convinced person. And then I'd find out later on that these people, they never read it. I mean, yeah. they're very frequent church attenders. You know, they, they're there, not just on the high holidays. They're there a lot of times, but they have never sat down and they've read that book from one end to the other. And I'm like, yeah. you're the one telling me I was supposed to read this thing. I should have read this thing. It was going to make a difference in my life, and it was going to turn me into a believer. And you don't read it. You have not read it. And, yeah. And what, and oh, that's a problem, then, definitely, with, with the hypocrisy, for sure. And, and, and I mean, even saying, th- you know, Christians, a lot of times they will embrace, you know, things like, you know, you're supposed to have blind faith, and there's not supposed to be – you know, if there was evidence for Christianity, then, you know, that would take away from faith. And so somehow, you know, having having a, a blind faith is a good thing. And, you know, I, I reject all that. And that's just why, you know, I encourage you, you know, uh, read some Christian philosophers on this issue. Read some Christian thinkers on this issue and, mm-hmm. um, you know, grapple grapple with some of the – I mean, if, all, if you're just reading Exodus and saying, oh, that doesn't sound believable or something like that, well – you know, you have a you have a presupposition against miracles, and so maybe you know look at some of well, what are the Christian philosophers what do they say about you know argument against miracles, and maybe even examine some of your own you know assumptions or presuppositions that are against um, even miracles. And so conversation, you know, it'll open up that door because you know, like at, at SES, you know, you're we read, you know, we're reading. Atheists. We're reading, you know, really good, you know, atheist yeah. philosophers, thinkers. You know, we're wanting to interact with their arguments. You know, if Christianity is true, mm-hmm. then you know we shouldn't be scared of philosophy or those kind of things. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, the Christian faith, it's you know it's fine to read Billy Graham and stuff like that. But you know, as far as whether Christianity is true, I think it's important to also be reading, you know, the 
Christians who are trained in philosophy and, and trained in the sciences and also kind of getting that perspective too, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I mean, you mentioned yeah. uh, reading about atheists, I mean, their arguments, reading, you know, like, like Hitchens, I'm sure, and Harris and such. You know, yeah. one thing that I remember when I – this is like – I'm sure it's been more than 10 years ago. When I first started reading Bert Ehrman, do you read any of his stuff? Uh, do you read any of his books? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very familiar with him. I actually yeah. got to see him debate live at SES. got to see him debate uh, Dr. Lacona. Ah, I bet that was a good one. It <laughs> was a very good one. Yeah, that was a very good yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Dr. Ehrman is I no slouch. Yeah. Oh, no, he is a very intelligent man about this, indeed. And, you know, what? one thing that really surprised me, uh, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was like within 10 years or so uh, when I read one of his books, and I discovered that um, – and it, this sort of just kind of floored me because – I mean, I wasn't an expert by any means in the Bible itself, what's in there. But mm-hmm. there was in one of his books, he mentions how the Gospels, you know, the very center of the New Testament, the names that are associated with those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when those books were first written, they did not have those names. That was not the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was such a lengthy t- – I don't – I won't – quote a year, but I mean, what year it was, but it was long, long after Jesus had come and gone that eventually someone decided, well, we need to, you know, start calling this one Mark and this one John, and I was like, really? I mean, I thought from the very beginning, and I look at it, and I do a little bit more research, and I discovered, well, the books of the New Testament are not in a chronological order, and, you know, me being a history a history lover, you know, a chronological order is pretty important. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Bible doesn't claim to be in chronological order, but I mean, uh, you know, I think we could we could save the New Testament maybe for next week. But I, you know, I would say that it is, and then I don't know anybody that argues that it's the most, uh, you know, reliable and most attested work in ancient history with the number of manuscripts. The early uh, attestation, the multiple attestation. So I think there's good reasons to believe that. But uh, maybe before we get to that, again, I just want to kind of yeah. zero in on this this issue of um, the existence of God. So you're saying that you have not heard evidence that convinces you that God exists. What kind of no. what, what what evidence would convince you uh, that God exists? You know, he's not very simple. Even the it, God, just the existence of God. Uh, to be perfectly honest, with an issue of this importance, nothing's going to convince me anything. Uh, I'm pretty sure than other than a God appearing before me that I can recognize with my senses, and just convincing me that it exists that way. Uh-huh. I mean, again, I have listened to a lot of these apologists. I mean, and these guys are just as uh, smart and, 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 and well-spoken as Bart Ehrman or Hitchens, and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, but this is not convincing me. What you're saying doesn't convince me. I mean, and if it's so important that I believe that, you know, you know, we're talking about where my um, uh, afterlife will be spent, either in heaven or hell, then why can't God 
appear before me and, and explain its existence to me that and make it in such a way that I can understand it. it it is important that I believe in it and do and not do what it wants mm-hmm. I mean Paul got that Paul had an experience he was on the road to Damascus and he was not a believer in fact he was a persecutor according to the writings in the Bible of Christians but then so for some reason so, so, you know, yeah so if God, if God appeared to you tonight and said I mm-hmm. am God you you would believe him that that's all it would take well I mean it depends on how he um, he's perceived by me of course I mean I mean I, I don't well, know let what me ask exactly you, let me ask you have your, your senses ever failed you before my senses have they ever failed me before of course. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, it seems I guess like it would be a miracle. Uh huh. Okay, so you're saying that. So, okay, so now you're saying if you saw a miracle, then you would believe. Perhaps. I saying? mean, it just depends on the details. It depends on the details. We have to f- flesh this out. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I, I don't want. You know, I mean, it might be possible to con someone to believe that they're hearing a voice from God. Right. If, if exactly. You, if you, uh, yeah, that, that, that's I guess kind of my you spend the time and energy, yeah, going right. that route. I would, not, I wouldn't want to do that to anybody. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, you know, you know, set somebody up to as far as some some large hoax and let them think that they're listening to a god or maybe they're seeing some apparition or something. I wouldn't want to do that. But I mean, mm-hmm. something. I need something more than what I've heard so far. Because I am not thing, though, when you're when you're being asked, okay, well, what evidence would convince you? As I talk to you, mm-hmm. you, you don't really seem to know. You don't really seem to know it would convince you. It's, it doesn't seem like the sense perception, because that could be a hoax. Um, you know, maybe a miracle, but then you know, maybe you're being deceived by you know aliens. So it's like you're you have the standard of standard of evidence that you want in order to believe, but then when you're asked, well, what would convince you, you well, don't know. If, 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 well, maybe if some sort of uh, – some physical okay. manifestation of no. God. Yeah. Pardon? I was going to say, please, please no, just because uh, – just because we are pressing each other, I love Chris. <laughs> we're gonna go eat. We're gonna go eat tomorrow, and we're gonna continue this uh, conversation. And so, please, uh, you know, he he knows I, I love him. I'm not trying to be rude, and I don't think he's being rude when he's pressing me. Um, this is a good conversation. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I was just gonna say, perhaps if 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 there was some sort of physical manifestation of a being. Uh, you know, a white light or something, and maybe this this uh, this thing could just take me on a trip around the universe or something. Show me wonders that I that no human has ever seen before. That would probably be enough to convince me. But I mean, it's it's you know, it's kind of hard to contemplate things you That's haven't experienced before when you don't have yeah. when you don't have any uh, yeah when you don't have any, I guess you, you, know, like, you don't require that quit. kind of evidence. For, for other things, though, right? I mean, like, in order for you to believe, for example, historical truths, you don't expect, you know, Abraham Lincoln to come back from the dead and show you things that no human has seen, or, you know, it's, it, is that reasonable to expect? That, that, like, would, you, not, you that would not be all reasonable. Kind of things. You, you believe all kinds of things that you don't have such a high standard to believe, but when it comes to 
wow. existence of God, you have such a high standard of belief that it doesn't seem like nothing nothing would ever be able to show you because the standard is so high. Well, if we're talking about an uh, an, um, a, um, an all-powerful being, it would be, to my in my imagination, it would be really easy to convince. If you're an all-powerful, uh, uh, omnipotent being, all-knowing, you should be able to pretty much convince the entire planet. How, how do you define all-powerful? How, how do you define all-powerful? Well, uh, all-powerful. You have all the power in the ma- in the world. I mean, you're a, a Superman or something like that. You know, you can yeah, see, you know pick up in stone or. Yeah, but see, that's that's not really the uh, the Christian, at least the Christian or classical theistic exception of of God uh, as being all powerful. It's not that God can do anything. Uh, he can't make a married bachelor or one ended stick or something like that. And so, the reason I tie that in is if He has created mm-hmm. a world where people have a volition where they can believe or not believe. Um, God, yeah, he's he's all powerful, but is he going to you know force people to uh, you know believe in him against their will? Uh, that's not an issue of well, power. I'm not so to speak. Yeah, I'm not asking. I'm not asking him to use his power to convince me in, in bending okay. my thinking or anything. That's why I brought that up. I, okay, I'm just saying that you know, show me you know incredible things that no human could be uh, could imagine or or, or see before. I mean, like what kind of things, though? Because even when you say well, like that, just, you're saying things well, like I that said, I don't even just, know. <laughs> well, like right? I said, just take me around the universe. You know, take me around the universe. Let me see what's out there. I mean, no human's ever done anything like that. I mean, that would well, be that would be very convincing. That would be almost miraculous. I would imagine for just about anyone to to, to see something like that. And well, how would you know, though, that I, that wasn't like a, some kind of alien, you know, some type of UFO and on a special, you know, uh, craft or something like that? How would you know that the difference between may, maybe a really good acid not. trip? Yeah. So then why would that, <laughs> why would that convince you? you know what I'm, well, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be an acid trip unless someone spiked something uh, that I was eating or drinking. I can assure you of that. But you're right. I mean, that could be. I mean, that, that, yeah. that may be. I don't know. I, mean, I don't. I don't necessarily believe so in you know, might, UFOs and that sort of yeah, thing. But you I know, that, that's something an advanced civilization could do to an, a lesser advanced civilization yeah. is is appear before them as we're gods. You know, because we can do all that's these amazing true. things. But they're not really gods. They're mortal too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at the, you know, the way we know the universe is because, you know, the, the telescope and the things that we've been able to do, you know, through science and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of things you can do. I just, it just seems like, you know, you have a standard that's so high. Um, I don't think anything could convince you because it could always be explained away by either, you know, hallucination or aliens or something. Uh, and so, you know, if you have a standard of proof, that is so high it can't be met and I just I see this sometimes with atheists you know and I ask them well what what would convince you God exists and it you know after blowing yeah. around it turns out nothing would convince them because their standard is so high they can't be convinced but well, they don't, don't have that could... standard they don't have that same standard on other things and so it just seems to be special oh. pleading <laughs> against um, they stack the deck against theism 
they don't they don't have that standard of belief for any other anything else. Um, and then they say, well, because of the standard, therefore, you know, I would believe in it. Well, the analogy you made a moment ago about Lincoln coming back to life, I mean, I would love to do that. I mean, I would love to see Lincoln in in the flesh and, you know, tell me me about his experiences. I mean, I am a great admirer of the man. I know that won't Mm -hmm. ever happen, but uh, I don't think any – anything that I would expect of a god would be impossible if if that god were truly – you know, divine and had okay. power beyond my comprehension. You know, Lincoln can only do so much. He was a moral human being. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm appreciative of everything he did in life yeah. uh, for our country, but you know, he can only touch so many people. Whereas I would imagine that you know, a divine being could do things for all of humanity. Is, is well, could it possibly be, could it possibly could it could it possibly be though that he's created a world where human beings can can reject him and kind of go about their own way and if they don't want anything to do with him, um, you know, they don't. I suppose that is possible. Uh, but I mean, if you if that's true, are there going to be consequences to that? I mean, if if you reject well, the I mean, if if there's if there's evidence that if there's evidence to believe, and I think there is, and reasons to believe, and we don't because we want to do our own thing rather than listen to the Creator. Uh, so you know, kind of from a Christian view, you know, um, you know, going to heaven is being you know it's it's being united to Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. I'll give you this analogy or this this story. I remember being in, in the hospital one time. I had to take my wife there, and I'm reading my Bible, right. and there's a lady there. She's a cleanup lady, and she's you know she sees me reading the Bible and says, you know, I just man, I left uh, I left Christianity a while ago because I can't believe in a God that would send somebody to hell. And so I asked her, you know, right. well, would you mm-hmm. do you want to go to church with me this Sunday? Do you want to go to church and we'll sing hymns and listen to the listen to the preacher uh, preach from scripture? And she, of course not. I, I don't want to hear you know songs about God. I don't want to hear the word of God. And I said, well, would you want to be forced to go to church? Would you want to be forced into that? And she's, well, of course not. Of course I don't want to be forced into that. So it's one of these things where you don't want to be around the people of God. You don't want to hear the word of God. You don't want to uh, give glory to God. And you don't want to be forced to to do that either. And so God lets you have what you will. And basically, you know, you're, you know, that's, when you don't go to heaven, you are obviously going to hell. And you're not going to be with Christ. You're not going to be with his people. But that's – you don't want to be with his people, and you don't want to be forced to be with his people. And so it's one of those things where how can you how can you complain about that if at the same time you don't want to be around God and you don't want nothing to do with God, and you don't want him to force you either? Well, I mean can we just not part ways? I mean just be amicable about it and just part ways? I mean, how do you do that? Though? Why does, how do you do that? Well, I mean, I don't know how you do that. I mean, because I'm, not, the I'm goodness, not a all the goodness, all the beauty, all the things that is good. I mean, you're talking about the creator of the universe mm-hmm. saying, I don't want nothing to do with them. 
Well, well, if you don't, then that's okay, but there's consequences for that. And part of those consequences is you don't get to enjoy the goodness, beauty, and truth of the creation uh, because you're rejecting the creator. You can't you can't have the you can't you can't have all the the things that's on the master's table and not want the master. You're also making a big assumption that, that you know everything on this side is going to be positive and everything else on this side is going to be negative. And if you choose the negative, you know it's going to be bad for you. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't see that there's an afterlife. I have I don't see any evidence for it. But you know, um, if a god exists and it created all humanity and it says do this and don't do that and if you follow these rules you get to come to heaven with me but if you don't why necessarily send someone to hell why not well, just we, oh, okay yeah. if you if you choose not to do it, it i mean okay, you'll you'll die and you'll just be gone no yeah. problem, well, there will be consequences you, you won't suffer for eternity in fire or whatever you'll just be gone Part of it is, though, you have a, a large part of it is you have a you have a misconception of Christianity. So Christianity isn't about which is easy to do. do this. It's a bunch of rules. It's not. It's not. It's not about a bunch of rules. There is, you know, there is certain beliefs and there is dogmas that have to be believed, you know. Um, but it's not about you know obey, obey a bunch of rules and then you get to go to heaven because that's you know that's the standard nobody goes. Uh, rather Christian is is uh, being in a relationship with the creator of the universe who, you know, gives his only son to die on the cross for us. And so if a person doesn't want that, saying, I don't want that relationship with Christ, I don't want to uh, submit, I don't want to obey, then at the same time, then you can't complain when, um, no, when you when you basically say, I don't want the creator, well, the goodness, the beauty, you know, those things are because of the creator. And if you reject him, you reject that. And it's just kind of, you know. <laughs> so let's do this, Chris. Let's take a uh, real quick commercial break. And we're going to come back. And I'd like to maybe get into some of the arguments uh, for the existence of God. And, uh, man, okay. I tell you, I'm having a great time uh, discussing this with, with yeah. you. And, again, I hope. But me, you know, being pointed with you, you're not taking offense at all because, uh, you know. Not at all. I'm enjoying it. Have a good time. Oh, yeah. I'm having a good time. Awesome. All right, folks. We're going to take a, uh, a break for a couple minutes, and uh, we will be uh, back right after this. It used to be that in order to engage with people from other religions, we had to send missionaries out to faraway places. But in the 21st century, we have become a global culture. Now, instead of us going out into the world, the world is coming to our back door. It's not uncommon these days for us to encounter a Muslim co-worker or Hindu parents at our kids' soccer practice. Now, everyday situations ought to be opportunities to interact with a diversity of religious perspectives. The challenge is, how do we do that? That's why I wrote the book, God Among Sages. I want to offer a practical tool to help equip Christians to confidently compare the prominent icons of the world's religions and see how Jesus rises above the rest. I'll help you demystify the beliefs of other religions so that you can confidently share your faith with others. It's my desire that God Among Sages 
will ignite a passion in your heart to start strategic conversations with the people in your life who need to find the eternal hope that's only offered in Jesus. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Are there any justifiable reasons why God would allow for there to be suffering and evil in this world? Sure, absolutely. Even if we don't know what those things are. I think we have to to step back from this and realize there's a chasm of knowledge between an infinite God and finite human beings. And a a great analogy is the uh, kind of the chasm of knowledge between a parent and a child, right? I mean, I, when my kids are babies, I take them to the doctor uh, to permit that doctor, to allow that doctor to stick them with needles, right, to cause them pain. And they, they have no clue why I'm doing this. They have no understanding of why I'm doing this. But I have, as a dad, morally sufficient reasons to take them to the doctor to cause them pain or to allow this pain into their life ultimately for some greater good. Mm-hmm. Even when my kids are older, when my, when my four-year-old still has to go get her shots. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I reason with her, you know, Dad, why are you doing this to me? Is what she says. Why are you taking me to the doctors? Well, honey, I have morally sufficient reasons to do <laughs> I don't put it in that language. But I, essentially that's what I'm trying to say to her. Well, because the shot's going to help you know, help you, uh, you know, protect you from diseases or things like that. Well, even in that, even with my four-year-old, even when I give her the explanation, what does she say to me? She doesn't say, oh, okay, Dad, I'll go get the shot then. She looks at me and goes, no, I still don't want to go because there's this uh, gulf of understanding. And uh, from my perspective as an adult, someone who has a lot more knowledge, I see what, the, the good reasons why I would allow this kind of pain and suffering into her life because I have morally sufficient reasons. In the same way, if there's a gulf between a four-year-old and a, a parent, just think about the gulf of understanding and knowledge between God and human beings. And so this is where we also have to trust. We have to trust in the character of God that he has good reasons to allow and to permit suffering and evil in our lives. CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network broadcasts to well over 300 stations nationwide, all from right here in Twin Falls. CSN is the station for solid Bible teaching and the best modern praise and worship. Tune in at 4 p.m. for CSN's live call-in program, To Every Man and Answer, with Steve Matheson, and Sunday mornings at 10.30 for a live broadcast from the river. Listen on air locally at 89.9 FM or online at csnradio.com. CSN International, where God's Word is heard. All right, folks, welcome back to Theology Matters, and we're having a good discussion with my friend Chris, and we're talking about evidence for the existence of God, and uh, been a good discussion so far. Uh, Chris, you there, bud? Yes, sir. Still here. All right, so we talked a little bit about um, kind of what, maybe what is, what is some of the evidence or something that would make you believe that God exists. And um, you said something like maybe if God um, what just appeared to you and then we kind of thought, well, maybe the sense perception could be off. And so let me ask you this. Have you heard of the, it's like a website, uh, God heals amputees. 
Yeah, I went there years ago. Uh, I haven't been there recently, uh, but uh, years ago, I I remember that website. Mm -hmm. So maybe for for our audience, for those who who are more wondering about that. So it used to be kind of a popular thing, and I still hear today that, um, you know, the skeptic might say, well, you know, if God exists, why don't we ever see anything like healing uh, an amputee, you know, an arm growing back from nothing? Have you heard that before? Um, Chris, I'm just curious. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard that before. Good would question. That, would that, yeah. Would that convince you? Would that be something that might convince you if you saw something like that? It could be. I know that would be a, an amazing thing. That's for sure. I'm nailing you down. You will not say what would be evidence that would make you believe. Well, is there, is there anything? Well, that we're would dealing make with a lot of believe? hypothetical things here. I mean, yeah. you, you, no one's ever seen, no one's ever an amputee grow back a limb. So, I mean, you right. got to put yourself in that perspective that, you know, okay, that never has really happened and it probably won't ever happen. So let me just, let me just try to put myself in this position thinking, okay, yeah, all right, that's amazing. So, so wow. imagine, you ha- imagine you have an amputee and you and me are standing but there I don't and, want- I pray, and I pray for him, okay, I pray for his right. leg. And mm-hmm. his leg suddenly is healed, and uh, he's not amputated anymore. Would that convince you? It might, but I would like, I would say, why did he do it for one person? Yeah, you know, why, why, okay. don't, why don't you pray? Right, okay. why don't you say right now you're going to pray that God will heal all amputees, and tomorrow when I wake up, it's going to be on every channel. And it's going to be all in a paper, and it's going to be – there are no amputees left on the planet. Every one of them has had their arms, their fingers, their feet, their toes, and legs repaired. And it's just as good as new as it was when they were before the accident. Well, what if God has purposes for uh, pain and suffering and evil in this life? I mean could he, could he possibly have purposes that maybe we just don't know about? Was that a possibility? Well, well, when you think about uh, evil, uh, the pain and suffering, uh, he better have one hell of a justification for the Holocaust. That's for sure. I so, mean, as an atheist, right there, I mean, yeah, as an atheist, what what would? How do you define evil? I'm curious. How do you define evil? Well, yeah, you're an atheist. You don't think God exists, and you're saying evil exists. So I'm just wondering, what what do you mean by evil as an atheist? Well, evil would be things that uh, that are done or maybe cause harm, or maybe an action or an inaction that would cause harm to another. I mean, that sounds like evil to me. I mean, well, you don't have I to mean, go so far as murder, genocide, but you know, you could. And you just you know starting rumors about someone, you know. So uh-huh. you don't, and like I said, you don't have to just cause the death of somebody or cause the death of a whole nation of people, but you know just being lying about people behind their backs. That that's why evil. is it why is it wrong to lie about people behind their back? Though why is it wrong to lie? Uh, because we all value truth. Truth okay. is important. What is, truth is what's real. Uh, uh, falsehoods obviously are not real. Okay. And truth is what's really real. Okay. Is truth physical or non-physical? Uh, not certain about that, but I mean, 
you know, I asked, I asked because you were saying, you know, you basically the evidence you'd see all has to be physical. It sounded like basically, unless it can be demonstrated through science, you shouldn't believe it. But, you know, if you say truth is reality, well, then, you know, not everything has to be physical, right? Propositions, true, true propositions are not physical, mm-hmm. so to speak, but they're true and they exist. And so you can have things that you can have evidence for things that are not physical. And so you shouldn't uh, just demand that evidence for God is all physical because we basically just conceded that you can have things that are true that are non-physical. Okay. So that opens up another standard maybe of some evidence that, you know, you can open your mind to about, uh, you know, just examining about whether God exists. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's, um, let's look at, I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts of, um, origins, origins of the universe. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? How do we, how do you explain uh, you know, why is why is there something rather than nothing? Why are we here instead of not here? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm not an astrophysicist, and I, I've never taken physics in my life. You know, when I was in college, I never had sure. to use that. So, I mean, I can't – I don't think I can speak intelligently on physics, that's for sure. Why is there something rather than nothing? I don't really know. But when you ask about a purpose – um, I like to think that each of us is given an opportunity since we're here, we're alive, and hopefully most of us will get to grow old uh, and live a long, uh, hopefully a healthy life. That a purpose is something we get to determine for ourselves. That you know, that's what you want to do. Uh, you what define if your it yourself. Is, okay, kind of this will take us kind of back to problem of evil. What if your purpose is? What if you want to grow up to be an Adolf Hitler and you want to hurt people? <clears throat> Should you do that? Well, uh, some people have done that. I mean, obviously Hitler did it, mm-hmm. and should there have been should a, people uh, do that? Not not have people. Should people? Yeah, should people do that? Well, no. I mean, uh, if, if you're going to be a Hitler, or if you're going to be a petty little Hitler, uh, you can expect some to uh, get some flack for that. People are going to stand up to you. That's what mm-hmm. happened to him. He was, he he went so far, and part of the planet, you know, decided, you know, you're not doing this anymore. We're going to stop you, and we're going to do what it takes to stop you. Was and, what he did morally wrong, like objectively? Yeah, I would say it was it, it was very more wrong to to murder people, uh, to uh, wage war necessarily. Uh, yeah, is it wrong to um, discriminate against uh, homosexuals? I believe so, and I believe I believe so too. Just to be clear, <laughs> just to be clear, uh, is it wrong to do discriminate? You that, do you think homosexuals should be allowed to be married? You think they should should they be allowed to marry? Well, I think be, they yeah. should be. Yeah, I I I I don't. I think that would be another discussion as far as what do I think marriage is. But I don't think we should discriminate <laughs> in that sense. What about discriminate against people based upon the color of their skin? I mean, do you think that that's morally wrong? I think it's very morally wrong. 
So I'm just curious. So would you say it's a moral fact, like it's an objective, like, you know, moral law that to discriminate against, you know, you know, beating up people just because they're homosexual or because they're black or Jewish or something like that, you would say that's objectively wrong, right? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm just wondering as an atheist, that, how do you ground that? Why is why is what you say – why should we listen to what you say over what the KKK says? Why are you right and they're wrong? I think I'm right because – I wouldn't want to be treated that way. Uh, I mean, I've been lucky that you know I was born. Um, I always like to say this, you know, I was born. Um, let's see, white. I was born male. I'm heterosexual. I'm American and middle class. So you know, to me, it seems like I'm at the top of the food chain here. I've had all these advantages. You know, I've never had to experience discrimination in any way because I, you know. Because I'm I'm not a female, I'm I'm not black, and I'm not gay, and these people have. But you can see the consequences of doing things like that to people, uh, treating them as inferior. And my empathy and my compassion tells me I wouldn't want yeah. anyone doing that to me. I wouldn't want anybody doing that to me, so I don't want to see anyone doing that to anyone else. Everybody else, we should – we all have a basic set of human rights, civil rights – that should be respected. Where do those rights so, come from, though? I think they come from. You're saying we have human rights nature. and the people should be. No, I think people they, should it, not be. It's, it's, it's nature. It's innate. It's innate. It's just innate. It's nature. I didn't get this. Like I said, I didn't read the Bible until like 20 years ago. But yeah, my beliefs, my beliefs about you know non-discrimination against other people was already in place. I didn't. I didn't right. and, and read the Bible and know that. I just, you know, I just knew it. I, and I, why I, I knew it I was agree. because I could very yeah. easily have been born that way. I could very well, easily have been, been born gay or a female, but I wouldn't want to tr- see those people treated badly because I wouldn't want well, to be treated badly myself. Yeah, there's a there's a distinction too, though, that we'll bring up between what's called ontology and epistemology. So I'm not asking, how do you know? Right. So I'm not saying I'm not saying. But it's because Devin, Devin, you were breaking up. I didn't. I didn't hear that. You were breaking up. I didn't hear that. Okay. Can you hear me better now? Sorry about that. That better? You're coming in good. Yeah, you're coming in good now. Yeah, I was going to say. So there's there's a difference between epistemology and ontology. So I'm not saying a person has to read a Bible in order to know right from wrong, but I'm saying Mm -hmm. that God has to exist in order for there to be right and wrong. And so when you're saying, you know, it's wrong to discriminate, it's wrong to do harm to other people, well, you're talking about the way things ought to be. But if all there is is nature and naturalism is true and there is no God or no ground, um, I don't see where you get the ought, you know, the difference between the ought and the, the ought is fallacy. Um where in, in well, naturalism do you have – because you're appealing to these moral objective values, um, but I don't see how you ground those. Well, and you're I saying I wouldn't how... want it done to me, but yeah. – okay, but Hitler Hitler did want to do it to other people, and so why should we listen to you and not Hitler? And you're saying, well, because it brings harm to other people. 
but that smuggles in this law that you shouldn't harm other people. And I'm saying, where do you get that law from? Well, first of all, um, the things that Hitler did, I don't see I, – I, I don't understand why God would allow it to happen in the first place. If, if it's important that people not be harmed, why would a God who cares about that allow a Hitler to exist to begin with no, and do yeah, this? But my, right, my concern yeah, is – The question for the atheist, though, is when you're saying God shouldn't have let Hitler do harm – I guess I'm saying in, if, if naturalism is true, if your view is right, what is evil? You're just saying oh, it causes harm. Well, what's wrong with causing harm? Well, you're just saying I don't like I was it. Gonna say, if, if you want to live in a community, and I think we're all commu- humans mostly, by far, most of us want to live in a community. And we're gonna, if, if we're going to do so, we have to have a, a set of standards and rules. And we have to recognize that our society will advance and it will prosper if people are treated with equality. We can, you know, we could go back just a few hundred years, uh, you know, not even that long, really, to a point where, you know, it was acceptable to, you know, treat women a lot harsher than they're treated today, not as equals, and told that, you know, you're just going to be good for. Uh, being a wife or maybe a school teacher, maybe a nurse, and that's it. This this is as far as you can go. You're not going to get any more educated than that, and you're not going to have any other opportunities. That's all you can do. And if you're black, well, you know, you're just good for picking cotton out in the field. And yeah. the norm, that was the norm in the society. And, and, yeah. and most people would have said, this is the way it's supposed to be. You know, This is good, but no, it wasn't. There was a lot of – obviously, it cost a lot of – Grief and anger uh, and pain. And yeah, I don't, I don't see to, what's wrong with causing grief, anger, and pain. Do you like that sort of thing? I mean, no one, I don't. Most people do not like, most people don't like that sort of thing. They avoid these these negative emotions. These, they, they, they would rather experience joy and happiness. I mean, to me, it's, so, it's a bit self evident. I mean, you either. Have but the, it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's irrelevant what they want. I'm saying, if if Mike if Mike can make right, you know, because uh, what you're you're not you're not you're saying that there is these objective wrongs that are happening, and you just shouldn't right. do it because well it, the society will prosper better. But the question is, is it morally wrong to discriminate against somebody because of the color of their skin or because they're homosexual? As a Christian, I can say because, and you know, my wife, my wife is black. Uh, I can say mm-hmm. that they're made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of God, and that's why they should be, we should be treated with, with dignity and respect and love and care. And we're not just, you know, animals. How, how do you know you're made in the image of God? I don't understand that. I mean, I, was, I, I had an argument recently with somebody on, on Facebook about that. They they said oh. they were opposed to slavery because because uh, you know we're all made in the image of God. Well, I've looked at the Bible, and the Bibles I have don't have any pictures of God. So <laughs> how do you know humanity is made in the image of God? What does what does that phrase mean? Does, no, that's a good question. God does he have two arms and two legs? I mean, no, what does that that's mean? The, that's, that's the God of Mormonism. <laughs> that's, 
the the God of Christianity, uh, classical theism, God is immaterial. In fact, you see in, in Deuteronomy, you're not supposed to make an image uh, of God. So, I mean, this gets into some image. of the the, uh, the, metaf- the metaphysical attributes and uh, some of the arguments for the existence of God. But uh, to say that you're made in the image of God, I would say, is some of the what's called communicable attributes, right? We have... Um, the, the shared attributes. So there's love, there's, uh, there's mercy. We have the ability to, you know, to, to really reason, to pray, to, you know, think through solutions, to love people, to, you, you know, what the, uh, punish people when they do evil, these, these kind of things. So it's not did a, I say that earlier? Physical. What's that? I mean, those are, wasn't that what I was saying earlier when I was talking about, you well, know, for you, yeah, that's the yeah, that's, that's 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 my that's my problem though. See, I can ground it in theism. You're an atheist. You're stealing from my <laughs> worldview. You're stealing from my worldview to say these things are no, wrong. no, no, no. Oh no, yes, no, you no. are. <laughs> no, I'm not stealing at all. I can assure you that. I mean, I mean, I I've read the Bible. I know exactly. The morals of your God. I know exactly what it has, and trust me, it's not moral at all. So I would not steal from it. But, but you don't have a like standard saying, to say that. You like the Richard Dawkins what? who's complaining about the God of the Old Testament, saying he's, you know, he's homophobic and da 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 da. da. Okay, but uh, right. if all we are is you know just dancing to the tune of our own uh, DNA. You know, you you can't you can't say anything is wrong. Objectively, yes, you can, can say I don't like yes, it personally. But you can't. If everything is reduced to nature and matter, where do you get immaterial moral facts from? Again, it goes to back to this, you know, this in, innate sense of compassion that we have for one another. What do you mean? I by know. Innate? I. It's, it's just there. It's, it's a brute fact. You know it. It's it's <laughs> in you your know genes. It's, it's it's in your DNA. It's in your genes that you know. If we work together, you and I can create a perfect, a, a better society as opposed to one that's you know um, less fair and is more cruel. You know, if we work together, if we treat people with one as equal equals. Right, but to say that 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 one society is better than another, Chris, you're assuming that there's a standard that we're aiming for and that we're shooting at. But if God doesn't exist, there isn't the way things ought to be. It's just the way things are. You're, you're, well, you're, I mean, you're appealing to the way things ought to be, and you don't get a pot if, if nature is all there is. These moral rules are yeah. – they're not unique to you know you and me as Americans or as Westerners. I mean, you can go to different cultures all over the planet in different times, and you can see where humans have gotten together. They form communities, and they're like, stealing is a no-no. We're going to have a rule. You can't steal, and if you do, you'll be punished. You can't murder. If you do, you're going to be punished. These people never heard of your God. They were probably they worshiping some other God. They were, no, they they don't have to. Some other it's like you say. It's like you say. It's in the DNA. It's it's innate. We know it. Romans one says that. We know those things. And again, yeah. the Christian can justify it. The Christian can ground it. The Christian can say it's wrong to torture babies for but fun you, because you're made in the image of God. You can say I don't like torture babies say. for fun because I don't like it. 
But that's you obvious. Can't say but that's what you just Well, how can you say it's objective when you say we're made in the image of God? You don't know what God <clears throat> looks like. So, so when I'm saying objective, when I say okay, so when I'm talking about the image of God, I'm not talking about a physical <laughs> being. And that's that's probably part of the confusion there. So Christians do not believe God is a physical being. Jesus took on a human nature, which is called the hypostatic union, um, the second person of the Trinity. But Jesus, uh, in the divine essence and nature, is an immaterial being. God is immaterial. He's not physical. So when I'm saying image of God, I'm not talking about a physical being, right? I'm just saying that we're made, again, with those communicable attributes. And that's why I say it's wrong to, uh, again, torture babies for fun or those kind of things because we're made with um, – and, and, you know, you and me have gone on it before. That's why I'm uh, definitely against abortion uh, because, again, made in the image of God and have those, you know, intrinsic uh, intrinsic value. And so, you know, that's that's some of the that's some of the differences there. I would say Christian Christianity and theism can have a grounding for these moral facts, and you you like the moral facts because you appeal to them, and I applaud you for that. I mean, that's that's good. I guess I'm just trying to point out that if naturalism is true, you can't ground those moral facts. Well, if if we follow these moral facts, the product of it is going to be a, a, a more peaceful. Harmonious society. Yeah, that should be that, um, that's that should be satisfaction. That, that should be satisfaction yeah. enough, right there for me. Well, it's the design. To, that's to, that's why. It's like you say. You know, it's because they're. Um, you know, it's the way it should be. You know, it's a better society. Well, right, because that's how we were designed. It didn't get there by nature, red tooth and claw. <laughs> you know. Mm. Well. That would go to evolution having done that then, not not a god, nothing divine. Well, you know, again, though, I don't think uh, you're going to get that ought from is, right? Nature tells you how the way things are, but not the way they ought to be, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, I'm curious about um, – what you know? What, what some of the what some of the arguments you have heard uh, for for the existence of God before? You say you've kind of have listened to some of these uh, some of these guys. Is there any particular argument that you've thought? You know, even if you don't believe it, even if you're not convinced that you thought, well, maybe it's you know kind of interesting or intriguing or you know what are what are some of the arguments, actual arguments for the existence of God that you're aware of? Oh, that's hard. It's hard for me to answer that one. I mean, I try to list all of them because it's important um, yeah. to under, try to understand the thinking, uh, the different ways they come at it. But I can't, I, on top of my head, I can't think of anybody in any particular argument. In, okay, uh, that's fine. Let's, yeah. uh, maybe we could, we could look a little bit at um, the cosmological, are you familiar with the cosmological argument at all? Uh it's been a while since I've read anything on that, but it rings a bell. Okay. So, I mean, again, it's kind of talking about um, – I'll just say this. You know, in, in my thinking, in order to have – you're familiar with, like, a worldview, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a worldview has – everybody has – I would say everybody has a worldview. If you're a Muslim, Christian, atheist, everyone has a worldview, a way you view the world. 
where we come from, why we're here, where we're going when we die, etc. So, you know, right. depending on your worldview is going to de- depend how you answer those. So I would say naturalism uh, is definitely a worldview. It's a way you view the world. Um, like you've, you know, you said a couple times, I don't believe there's an afterlife. Uh, we make our own purpose, uh, those kind of things. Um, so I'm not ruling think, it out there that there isn't sure. an afterlife. I'm ruling right. it out, but yeah, you're just saying you're not convinced, right? So I think what part of that though, uh, having a coherent worldview is being able to answer or, you know, have some kind of ideas to the questions of, well, where did we come from? Why is there a universe uh, rather than no universe? Uh, and so the cosmological argument puts um, puts its two premises in the conclusion. And so I'm just curious your thoughts. Uh, and maybe before I get there, um, do you hold do you hold to Big Bang cosmology? I mean, do you do you like do you follow standard physics and cosmology? I don't follow do you hold to the Big Bang model. Yeah, a lot of that goes over my head, but I mean. I understand that my understanding is there there was a big bang, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't something present before the big bang. Okay. Uh, there's not there wasn't just nothing a, a state of nothing period anywhere. And then all of a sudden there was a large explosion and voila, you've got galaxies and stars and planets and by the trillions. No, I, I I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think that's the way modern physics thinks of it. No, it's not. Yeah, that's not. Was, yeah, Big there, Bang cosmology there, there, isn't it? No, that's not. Yeah, there was, give there you was something before the Big Bang, and then there was a Big Bang. Okay, well, I would definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree. Look at you. You're a theist already. <laughs> All right, man, here's the argument. Premise one. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. Now, this is a deductive argument, right? So if these these premises are true, then the conclusion follows necessarily. So premise one, whatever begins okay. to exist has a cause. Premise two, the universe began to exist. Conclusion, therefore, the universe has a cause. So let's let's look at premise one here. Uh, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it just seems but, I mean, to be what? kind of the whole principle of science. You know, you have to have uh, a cause in order to have effects. You can't just have... I mean, the first, my first reaction is, well, if if something has to have a... If it has a beginning, has to have a cause, then what caused God? That was my first thing. It popped in my mind yeah. when you said that. Good question. That's 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 one of the top things that always come up as soon as you do that. Um, mm-hmm. So okay. So premise one: whatever begins to exist has a cause. You would agree with that premise, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, but your objection to me would be then: okay, well, uh, whatever begins to exist has a cause. What about God? How does God get out of, exempt from this? Right. Well, I would say mm-hmm. that um, God doesn't have a beginning. Uh, God right. is eternal, he's spaceless, he's timeless, he's the one that brings the universe into existence. So if he is the the uh, first mover, or the prime mover, then he himself mm-hmm. can't be uh, in space, time, and matter, and therefore does not have a beginning. And so premise one actually would not uh, would not apply to him. But it would well, how would you know that? Well, because we know that, uh, well, based on premise two, 
that the universe began to exist. Uh, the universe came into existence, standard Big Bang no, no, cosmology. No, no. no. Oh, I mean, how, how would you know that, um, that a God exists, though, is what I'm saying? And then, and then it caused the, the universe to be created. I mean, if, it, well, this, if it's outside of time, if it's outside of our physical space, I mean, I, I don't know how to, how do you def, how do you figure that there was nothing at all, but but there was a God. Well, because, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's fine. I'm finished. Yeah. No. I. Um, I so I would say that um, because you, uh, the very first premise, you can't have something without a cause. You can't have you can't have <clears throat> whatever begins to exist has a cause. So if you have a universe here, and we know that the universe comes into existence, the cause of the universe can't itself have come into existence because the cause has to be spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. It has to be those, those pro- have those properties because space, time, and matter wasn't here. It came into existence. And so the cause because itself can't have those properties. Well, well, I mean, you can call it God or God or whatever time. you want, but it's got to be a pro- there's got to be a a necessary, uncomposed, immaterial, spaceless, timeless uh, being that brings it into existence. Uh, I'm not certain. I'm convinced of that. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. How let's, can there? Let's, there, let's work through the nothing, argument. But well, I was just so say, when I, I don't say when I say nothing, when I say nothing, okay, so you know you got people like Lawrence Krauss, right? You know the universe from nothing and that. So when I'm saying nothing, I'm not talking about empty space. When the, right. when the philosopher is talking about nothing, we're talking no thing, no space, no time, no matter, no material, nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But exactly. I would say metaphysically, God's still there. God exists. God is not composed of parts. God is not made of matter. God is not made of material. Uh, no, that sounds like special thing to me right there. Why is that? That sounds like special pleading to me. Why? Because you're saying there's no universe, there's there's nothing, time and space, but there has to be this creator, though. And well, you already grant you can't have something coming into existence from nothing, right? You grant that the universe can't, you know, you can't get, you can't have, you know, space, time, and matter come into existence from nothing, from no cause. So the well, only other option is you have to have a cause there. Well, what if the universe didn't become, um, it wasn't created? What if it was just always there to begin with? Now, the universe billions well, of years ago was too. vastly different. Was vastly different from what we see today, but yeah, it was that's still premise the two. So I mean, we can we can move on to premise two if you want. I just want I'm just trying to get you with premise I'm one. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take you off. I'm sorry, I didn't mean no, to take you're, off your you're, thinking. You're, you're you're fine. No, you're you're fine. Um, so premise one, whatever begins to exist has a cause. You seem to grant that, and that's good. I mean, I was just going to go through the principle of causality and that, uh, showing that. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, if we, if you if you disagree with premise one that it would pretty much undermine the whole scientific method, but you seem to, to uh, agree with that. So <laughs> we can go to, we can go to premise two uh, that the universe began to exist. Now that's just, 
standard Big Bang cosmology, are you saying that you disagree with premise two, that the universe did not begin to exist? I was just saying that maybe the universe has always existed. Again, I'm not a physicist. I don't think about this stuff a lot. I hadn't said it very much. But if it, was it not possible that perhaps in some form the universe has always existed? It's not the form that it is today, and it may be vastly different billions of years from now, but maybe it's the – the what, what did you say? The timeless, the ageless, always in present. Well, it's either thing, this is the thing, though. If that's the universe, it can't be timeless and, and spaceless and immaterial because – the universe is, uh, requires space, time, and matter, that continuum. And so we mm-hmm. know space, time, and matter, according to Big Bang cosmology, comes into existence. And you know, just so you know, when, when, when the Big Bang came into popularity, it was rejected um, for a long time by a lot of the, uh, you know, the leading thinkers at the time because – well, primarily because of the theological implications. You know, if it has a beginning, well, that's, it has to have a beginner. But I pretty mean, soon the that's, evidence... That's true of a lot of, a lot of things in science. That's true of a lot of things in yeah. science, that's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it, as the evidence mounts, so in, in 1915, you get Albert Einstein. Uh, he presents his theory of relativity. And then shortly after, Alexander Friedman and George Lemaitre working with Einstein's theory... Uh, they predict the universe is expanding, and so there's several there's several lines of evidence actually that a person can use that, that they have used to show the universe actually did have a beginning and came in came into existence. Kind of the the current model is that the universe came into existence about 13.7 billion years ago, and uh, they look at things like you know in 1929, uh, Edwin Hubble confirmed redshift that the light was actually shifted towards the red end of the spectrum. Uh, you have the second law of thermodynamics that things are running down, and therefore you don't have an infinite amount of energy and time. Uh, and then in 2002, three leading cosmologists, Arvin Bord, Alan Guth, Alexander Vilenkin, uh, all come forth and really show that even if it's a multiverse, and the exact quote is uh, science, from Vilenkin. Scientists can no longer hide behind the past eternal universe. There is no escape. They have to face the problem uh, of a cosmic beginning. And so I think there's good reasons to think that the universe came into existence based on the the law of thermodynamics, the expansion of the universe, uh, even the radiation echo. um, Which, you know, showed that the leftover radiation from um, from the uh, origin of the universe um, so what what are your, some of your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Well, I can't say much about that because, again, I haven't studied physics to know a great deal about this. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've heard of Hubble. I've heard of Red Shift. And uh, I don't really think that much about it, the, the beginning of the universe, how it came about. And I'm trying to – as you're talking about it, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, okay, how is this the God of the Bible? How How does – Right. Well, so it it, it would require, yeah, you'd have to have other arguments to show it, but um, it's not less than the God of the Bible. You would just need to to add some more arguments to it. So, you know, it shouldn't have to be expected that every argument has to prove every tenet of Christianity. It's enough to disprove atheism. 
and naturalism and show that theism <laughs> is true. <laughs> That's all you need uh, for that. A uh, little biased there, aren't you? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, if the universe came into existence, you know, and if whatever begins to exist as a cause, then the universe has to have a cause. And naturalism doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't get you there. Doesn't explain that. So I mean, you know, you were saying, hey, I haven't heard of evidence, haven't heard of arguments. I think the Kalam mm-hmm. is a pretty good argument for the existence of God. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to do more reading on that before I can say. I, I mean, I don't okay. want to prejudge anything, uh, but uh, so far uh, it's intriguing and it's worth exploring. But I okay, I'm not. That's fair. Again, I still have a hard time trying to figure out. Well, how does this relate to the God that I read about in the Bible? Because well, you know, there's so, not a lot about there's not a lot about you know dark matter and dark energy in the Bible. There's not a lot well, about redshift in the Bible. Well, it's because you know, the, the Bible's not a scientific textbook. But I would say when Bi- the Bible hits on scientific what issues, is it's correct. You know, the the Bible oh. does talk about the universe having a beginning, and that wasn't. That wasn't known until fairly recently. I mean, it was thought that the universe was eternal, but you know, the Bible does set, does does tell us the universe had a beginning. And that's so what is the Bible exactly? What is the Bible then exactly to you? Well, I'm not I'm not saying that the Bible is does not is not correct when it talks about scientific issues, and it, it does. But it's like saying. Um, the Bible, you know, the Bible is all true. Um, okay, so what if my little girl gets a brain tumor? I mean, should I go to the doctor or should I just look into the Bible? And you know, obviously, the Bible is not meant to to tell me everything about physics, chemistry, cosmology, philosophy, medicine, and that's not practical, right? It's a it's it's mm-hmm. the Word of God. It's telling us you know, the way of origins, why we're here where we're going when we die, how we can know the creator, uh, what he's done to fix our problem as far as sin goes and how we can spend eternity with him. Uh, so I don't expect the Bible to, to talk about things like dark matter and dark, <laughs> dark energy and those kind of things. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. It would have been nice if, you know, I don't know, just say in the Bible, you know, God had this, um, Giving us a recipe for how to make soap in the very beginning, you know, with Adam and Eve, and pass that along, uh, and just told well, us the importance of, of having soap because I mean, you, I, you know, jeez, I mean, one of the things I that when you know, as a person who loves history, I'm very, I would love to go back in time and see stuff, be there to experience it, but to be perfectly honest, I am really, really, really happy. Have been born in the time I was because I really feel like just you know just a few maybe a couple of decades before I was born, I think modern science was just uh, what would have been considered modern science was just quackery. I mean, I have read so many things in, in, when it comes to medicine in particular about people who are being treated uh, for illnesses and wounds, and you know just a few decades ago. Um, you know, you would just been better off if they would just leave you alone if you became ill. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Yeah, maybe it's I, I, cases, but I mean, we think have, about it, man. How long is how long have, is, uh, you know, we've been here? It's obviously worked because you know, thousands of years later, we're still here, right? 
Yeah, I, I, it just it sometimes it's just so surprising to hear this this uh, well, uh, this quaggery. It's, it's just you know, yeah. If you're sick and you need to take this, and it's it's just going to make the situation work really. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I've been born, you know, with you know in this time period with modern science where we have real doctors who know what they're doing. They have they have uh, techniques. They have medications that can actually cure disease, whereas their predecessors, just a few generations ago, were just, I mean, buffoons. I mean, they would kill patients thinking that, you know, they knew what they were doing. And, I mean, I'm just surprised that, you know, like I said, what would have happened to our humanity as a whole if God had just written into the Bible – the importance of hand hygiene, you know, the importance of washing your hands frequently every day. Uh-huh. Well, there's a, there, there, are actually, there are passages about that actually in the uh, Old Testament uh, in the covenant. Um, but for example, um, covering covering up your uh, feces, and uh, it, do, it, do, it does, you know, look, it's, it's obviously it's not a medical textbook. But at the same time, no. I think God has also given us a mind. He's given us scientific laws, uh, reasoning to where we're able to, you know, discover things in the universe uh, and and learn the mind of God. That's why the very, you know, vast majority branches of science, the discoverers were theists. They weren't atheists. They were most of them were theists, and it was because they wanted to know the mind of God, and they didn't see any kind of conflict between faith and reason or anything like that. It was, you know, hey, the, uni- the, the universe, if God exists, should be designed. There should be laws. It should be uniform. I don't know where you get that in naturalism. But uh, we got about 15 minutes. Are you, uh, are you open to hear another argument for the existence of God? We've gone through yeah, one so far, oh, yeah. the Kalam. Yeah. And you say 15, that uh, – uh, yeah, yeah, okay. You say you're, uh, you're intrigued with that. And uh, you'll look into that more. So that's good. Okay. So that one is the Kalam cosmological argument. Again, whatever begins to exist as a cause, universe begins to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. Uh, let's look at this one. This is um, Gottfried Leibniz's argument. Uh, sometimes what called about, the, what's his, the most convincing argument for you, though? I mean, let, I mean, since we only have a brief amount of time left, uh, let's can I can I ask you that question? I sure, mean, go ahead. Yeah, ask me anything. When we, you know, when we first talked, when uh, the first time we ever had a conversation, um, I yeah. remember you telling me you, you had a grandfather who was an atheist. You said, and yeah. I'm just curious about um, uh, how did you be- how did you come, become convinced yourself of atheism? I mean, excuse me, Christianity, because um, to be perfectly honest, I mean, you know this probably as well as I did because you're around Christians all the time. Yeah, and you know many of them are just basically faux Christians. They don't take it that seriously, but they don't want to be the nail that stands out because you know that the nail that stands out is going to get, be the one to get the hammer. <laughs> but they, they 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 go through the motions. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, yeah. And I, I, like I said earlier, you know, I, I know people who told me, you know, if you wanted to know what about God and, and why it's important, then you need to read the Bible. And then I, I discovered that, well, they never bothered to do it, but yet they were telling right. me I needed to do it. I'm just wondering, what convinced you and, you know, at what point did that happen in your life? 
And yeah. did your fa- grandfather have any effect on you at all? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, so I grew up in Utah. and uh, Oh, really? My, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in a, in a Mormon home until I was about four years old or so, four or five. And then uh, my father oh, really? actually converted to uh, Christianity. Yeah, my, so my mother was born in England, and uh, I believe it was the Mormon church that sponsored them to come to Utah. And so, you know, my grandfather and his wife and uh, their kids left and moved to Utah. And uh, so he, he never believed it though he was very skeptical he was in the army uh in england world war ii uh fully believed in evolution and those things and just you know thought mormonism was silly and and that and so my father got saved uh he became a christian in the early 80s with a guy who he worked with uh had given him some uh, material uh, by a guy by the name of Walter Martin who's kind of known as the the father of the modern countercult movement and so my father became a christian and eventually about a year later my mother left the mormon church she became a christian and my father actually went into ministry and became a pastor uh it was with mm. the assemblies of god pentecostal church and for me and that's what you're i right? that what you're what I, yeah well, I'm a missionary, actually. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get to that as well. Uh, and so my grandfather at this time was still an atheist, and uh, we all actually lived together. He had his own little separate apartment there, but, uh, you know, I was very close with him. And so mm-hmm. he really did influence my thinking. And, I, I mean, I still remember his arguments against uh, the Bible. You know, he would he would compare it to the telephone game. And... Uh, he would mock the miracles and mock, you know, the, you know, those things in the Bible and just thought it was funny. And so, you know, I didn't know how to respond to those objections. And so, you know, I would go to my parents and I would ask and, uh, you know, and this is not to make them look bad, but, you know, um, they didn't know. They didn't know how to respond. They didn't know how to defend that the Bible was true. They didn't have reasons to believe that God existed. You know, they didn't. They couldn't say, you know, hey, here's here's some of the scientific stuff to, you know, combat what you're hearing with him. And so for me, it really influenced my thinking a lot to where I basically walked away from Christianity. Uh, and then one night. When I was in my early 20s, I was, you know, drunk, you know, I had, had fallen into uh, alcohol, had a drinking problem, but I'm flipping through the channels. It's right around Easter, right around this time, and there's a debate on between Anthony Flew, who is one of the world's foremost atheists at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, this guy by the name of Gary Habermas. You may have heard of Dr. Habermas, uh, Liberty University, mm-hmm. and probably the top defender in the world of the resurrection, and the debate was on that resurrection and so i'm thinking well you know christians take everything by blind faith and the the, the, you know the atheists have science logic reason this ain't going to be much of a debate but i always liked debates you know and so yeah and you know from my perspective habermas demolished anthony flew from a lot of people's perspective and from the first time you know i was told what to believe my whole life but had never been given reason to believe it and so when I saw, whoa, there's actually historical evidence that Jesus existed. There's actually reasons to believe this atheist is granting certain sections in the Bible as, as historically accurate. And, 
And uh, just the method that Habermas used, where the minimal facts, where he's just using these particular facts that are granted by um, athe- you know, by all all New Testament historians, they just blew me away. And so I became a Christian that night, and uh, that was probably 14, 15 years ago. And from then I started really getting into the issue of uh, God and science, studied that issue. And studied it every day for about eight months, and then uh, was able to talk with my grandfather. And I, thankfully, he uh, he actually became a Christian. And it was arguments from intelligent design that had convinced him, and prayed with him on the phone and, and that. And so, you know, for me in my life, it's it's an example of you know God used these things, these type of questions and and philosophical reasoning and arguments um, to save my mind, really, and to, uh, you know, to, instead of running and being fearful of those things, uh, embracing it and saying it's true. It really is true. And so that's why I've dedicated my life. Me and my wife are missionaries at Winthrop University with a group called Ratio Christi and and uh, that's what we do every week. We groups uh, with students, non-Christians and Christians, uh, on evidence for Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a long story. <laughs> yeah, that's very but that's how I became Christian. Yeah. And so since yeah, then, I've you know gone to uh, Southern Evangelical you- Seminary. I think it's the best uh, school on the planet, and uh, working mm-hmm. towards a master's degree in philosophy and apologetics. And uh, are you? Yeah, are you planning to go overseas and do missionary work or what? No, I'm I'm a missionary right here, right here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The university okay. is probably one of the most desperate places they need Christian missionaries. If you if you poll South <laughs> Carolina of how many people are Christians, the vast majority probably going to be overwhelming percentage are. But if you go to the yeah, university, eighty five percent, yeah. Yep, go to the universities though. And pull how many are Christians, you'll see that drastically. And in the universities, it's just kind of you know looked at as there's you know the Bible is false. Uh, if God exists, there's many paths and many ways to Him, and Christianity is uh, bigoted, homophobic, stupid, and needs to be eradicated. And so uh, you know we're trying to be a voice of reason on the campus where we can have these discussions right. and, you know, do, do it in a way of, of, you know, love and truth and grace, but also, you know, not being afraid to go to the mat or get in the ring and have these kind of discussions, you know, like you and me, me, you and me have done tonight, you know, be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of you, I really do. I appreciate that you're willing to come on and have this, you know, have this discussion and, and uh, you know, you're, you're a good dude. And I know, you know, I tell you, think about these issues and you know my goal my hope would be to see you become a christian you know i'm not gonna lie i'd love to see you come to know christ because i think it's true yeah well i'll be the first to say I, i'm not out to convert you to anything but that's just well, not I what am, i'm doing i am I, to you <laughs> i, I, I want to convince you it's true and i and I'll, yeah. I'll i will admit to an ulterior motive um John Adams, I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but at some point in his life, he once said, the best conversations are arguments. And I, I don't know what it is about my nature, but I like to argue with people. I don't like right. to get you know nasty about it. I don't like to right. start throwing right. fists, things like that. But 
I'm the kind of guy that, you know, if you're going to tell me something, don't be surprised if I just throw it back at you in the opposite way. I, yeah. I like to argue with people. You know, <laughs> I I, re- I routinely call in to a local Christian show, a radio show, and and argue points with people. And wow. people call – people will speak to me, and they will say, why do you do that? I mean, why do you do – and I, I tell them. I have friends who think just like me, and I value them, but I can only tolerate so much of what comes out of my mouth just being duplicated by what they say. I yeah. need to hear a contrary opinion. I, my thoughts, my thinking has to be challenged. Yeah, It has to be challenged Amen. by somebody else who says, well, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but let me tell you where you're wrong. One, two, three. Thank you. I, I have got to hear that. Yeah, I feel like if if I don't have someone doing that to me, and I mean almost daily, I, I feel like I'm going crazy because I cannot. Yeah. It just it frustrates me good. to hear the same thinking all the time. Well, and, and, and some people are just, that's what they want. They the, yeah. they want to live in an echo chamber. They yeah. say they want to be they want to have a diversity of opinion, but no, they don't. They just want to hear their own voice and right. their, their own thoughts. Come back at them, and I can't, yeah. I can't live like that. Mm-mm. No, I'm with you. I I appreciate that. And you know, one thing I hope, Chris, is that through this, you know, I, I know a lot of people who they grow up, especially in the Bible Belt culture, and they are kind of and, and Christians do a bad job in a lot of ways. Um, and it is represented as oh, you just have to have blind faith, and there's no evidence, etc. And I hope after mm-hmm. this discussion, and I just hope after our friendship, that you see, um, even if you don't agree that God exists, even if you if you don't agree that Christianity is true, I hope you see that um, it isn't just a bunch of buffoons, that there are actually decent reasons to believe it, and that a person can be smart and, and, uh, and hold these things, even if you don't agree. You know, I'm not an atheist, obviously, I don't agree with it, but... I know there are a lot of smart atheists. There's a lot of people, someone like Jeffrey J. Louder. You know, I respect him a ton. He would, you know, he'd clean my clock in a debate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't agree with his conclusions, but I know the guy is brilliant, you know. And so yeah. I guess uh, I guess hopefully with this discussion, because one of the things you had said, one of the reasons I, I think I challenged you on Joey's page is you had said there was no evidence for the existence of God. And I wanted to challenge you mm-hmm. on that and have you on the show to say mm-hmm. – you know, maybe you haven't heard of it, you know, but there is evidence, and at least, you know, maybe you can you can consider it now, you know. So hopefully, right. if nothing else, you know, that uh, it just, uh, you know, because you are. You say you're open-minded, and you, you definitely have not given me any reason to think you're not. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, to uh, like I say, I'd like to have you back on maybe next week or the week after, whatever works for you. And uh, maybe yeah, talk about great. the resurrection or the reliability of the Bible or something. Yeah, I'd love it. I mean, uh, yeah. again, I'm not, again, I'm not out to convert anybody to anything, uh, and yeah. I can see in, in in a lot of individuals' lives how their religion has changed them in ways. I mean, I had no idea that you know until just now. You know, you told me you had a drinking problem in the past, and right. if it weren't for religion, you wouldn't be the person you are today. And I and I think everyone would agree that you know you're obviously a, a better person today than you were at some point in the past. I don't want to do anything to take that away from you. Sure. 
I don't want to. I don't want to do anything to say to diminish that. It obviously had a profound effect on your life, and it improved your life. And I don't want. You know, I would. I would hate for to hurt someone in any way like that. That's for sure. I just want to have a civil discussion about you know individual issues or general issues, if you wish, or however you want to put it. And and still, in the end. It'd be amicable. It'd be civil, and we, and you know, we we broaden the horizon, but we didn't change anything as far as our thinking necessarily. We just, like I said, just broaden the horizon. I, I understand your position better now. You understand my position better now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think uh, not only that, you know, I consider you a friend, and I actually look forward mm-hmm. to you know getting to know you better and building a friendship. I know yeah. tomorrow we're going to hang out a little bit, and uh, that's right. Yeah, know, I like that. I look yeah, I am looking forward to meeting personally, you know, uh, flesh to flesh for the first time tomorrow, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, we got to find a good place to uh, to eat. Tomorrow's my cheat day, so uh, I can go off a little bit on my diet. <laughs> so no, no, no grilled chicken or ground turkey tomorrow, so. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you on. I'm, we're going to go ahead and end the show now, folks. Um, Friday, um, me and my wife will be here at 11:30. We're going to be talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and how to uh, have good dialogue and discussion. And uh, we're going to I'm going to get with Chris, and uh, we're going to try and work out some dates to have him back on the show. I'd love, love to talk about uh, the resurrection. We got Easter coming up, so you know, hey, there good, are there oh, good yeah. reasons to believe. Yeah, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's what. Uh, that's what God used to uh, convince me that Christianity was true. Was watching the uh, that debate, you know. So, uh-huh. uh, very good. Again, thanks for coming on, Chris, and uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'll give you a call, and uh, we'll find a place to meet and and uh, work all that out. Okay, you gonna call me tomorrow morning? Then is that right? Yeah, yeah. If that works for you. Yeah, you'll be looking, yeah. and yeah. Uh, if you know of any places you want to go grab a bite to eat, let me know, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get all that planned out ahead of time, and I'll I give you a call uh, in the morning. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. Look forward to it. All right, man. God bless. All right, folks. Thanks again. Join us have next Friday, eleven thirty. Yep. Have a good night. Eleven thirty. We'll be talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, how to have these discussions with them, and uh, thanks again to Chris for calling in and and uh, having this discussion with me. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope to have more, you know, uh, you know, discussions like that. My nose is a little plugged tonight, so sorry it didn't sound the greatest, but uh, pray for Chris. You know, pray that God, um, you know, will uh, will do a work in his heart, and uh, pray for our friendship. And uh, thanks again for. All the support. God bless. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.